At Wheaton Park District, we manage 54 parks, dozens of playgrounds, tennis courts, and a mini golf and skate park. We have an accredited zoo, a county museum, multiple athletic fields and sports complex, two swimming pools, 150 acres of nature preserves, and a 27-hole golf course and banquet facility. Everything else is just a talk in the park. In honor of Wheaton Park District's 100th year anniversary, A Talk in the Park will be releasing interviews with longtime standing employees of the Park District through October. We hope you enjoy hearing stories and learning more from staff. Interested in learning more about Wheaton Park District's anniversary? Visit DuPage County Historical Museum for a special exhibit, Wheaton Park District Celebrating 100 Years, on display now exploring the history of the park from its inception in 1921 up to present day. You can also learn more about special events and promotions at wheatonparkdistrict.com forward slash 100. Could you say your name for the record? Susan Walgren. And what is your current position at the Park District? I am the director of Cosley Zoo. And what past positions have you held? The assistant director of Cosley Zoo. All right. And uh, how long have you worked uh, for Cosley Zoo in the Park District? I have worked for Cosley Zoo in the Park District for 37 years. Great. That's a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm old, Zach. (laughs) Edit that out. All right. Um, so why did you start working for Cosley Zoo? What kind of drew you to the um, zoo? Well, I, I really my entire life growing up, even as a young child, I always wanted to work with animals. I, I didn't know exactly what form that was going to take. Um, I went to college and got a degree in animal science. Um, I'd worked with horses and sheep and all kinds of cattle, all kinds of things. Um, quite honestly, I'd never, a zoo hadn't even entered my mind, uh, but I'd been on a college uh, a couple of years, hadn't really found an animal job yet, and someone told me that there was this position open, and it was kind of a what the heck, <laughs> give it a try, um, and lo and behold, a hundred applicants later, um, I was uh, offered the position, and it's been a wild ride uh, ever since. Great. Um... And what do you think has um, kept you working for the zoo for um, 37 years? Oh, because, well, first of all, as a easily bored person, um, there's no such thing at the zoo. There is there's not a day that goes by that I don't learn something, um, you know, grow as a professional. But primarily, what we do matters the impact we have on people that come and see us through our programs, through a a child touching an animal or hearing them for the first time, what we do makes a difference. Uh, Working with endangered species, again, connecting with people, having, creating that empathy and that love for nature that we hope they carry on through adulthood. Um, We know, we see the efforts, our efforts rewarded with, with behavior changes and so again, it's it's not a job. It's really a calling. It, it's something we, you know, everyone here that works at the zoo is extremely passionate. And that's really another great thing, too, is the people I work with um, are just so dedicated and so driven and care so much about what they do. And that just makes every day worth, worth coming to work. Great. Um, 
So this, I guess, kind of a bigger question, but um, how would you say the zoo has changed since you started working there? Oh, it has changed monumentally. Um, I mean, we could go in all kinds of directions on that. But when I first arrived at the zoo, we had a staff of two. Um, we had no mission, no really no purpose for existence other than this cute little place with, with you know, some random animals. So, you know, since that time, and we didn't, we didn't offer any programming, we didn't do any conservation. Um, since that time, we've grown to a staff of around 30. Um, we have a mission and a vision. Um, we are, we actually provide programming for more than over 90,000 people each year. Um, again, we're involved in several conservation programs, some field conservation, like our work with Blanding's Turtles. Some of it we raise funds um, and awareness for other projects um, locally, nationally, and internationally. So again, it's, it's just, it's night and day a uh, different facility than when I started here 37 years ago. Gotcha. And what would you say is kind of um, the, what was kind of the driver behind the zoo kind of evolving into more from kind of just a small like historical farm with some animals to more of a kind of your wide ranging mission today? Uh, certainly it's been the staff we've hired that have brought in ideas and you know hey what if and then a lot of it also was getting involved um, back in the late 90s um, I began to pursue accreditation from the Association of Zoos and Aquariums which we did achieve in 2000 for the first time it's an every five-year endeavor and that really raised the bar for us it really gave us a look into best practices for the world's top zoos or for North America's top zoos really and it really kind of gave us that bar, that, that gold ring to shoot for, to say, you know, we can do this. We can be as good as or better than San Diego Zoo or National Zoo. You know, again, not in, not in size, obviously, um, you know, scope of some of the things, but in the way we operate, you know, the best practices, animal welfare, educational programs, our, our work in conservation, we operate under the same protocols and expectations as those bigger facilities. So, um, that really helped drive us, you know, even more to some of these um, growth pieces, which we're still in today. I mean, you know, we developed our foundation, our support organization in 1986, and, and really just in the last two or three years, that's really going through a major change uh, to become a much more high-functioning board that's much more supportive of the zoo financially. Um, we're kind of moving out of just events, uh, doing events for fundraising to actually doing a lot of development and philanthropy work um, to increase the number of donors that we have. And so really, you know, we're, we keep working to set ourselves up to be a, a better facility, but also one that's sustainable into the future. Uh, what would you say your favorite part about working at the zoo has been or some favorite reasons? Well, I gave you a few there earlier. I, mm -hmm. Again, it is it is doing it's doing work that has meaning. I think you know that's part of it for me. Well, you know, again, it goes back to my love of animals, and I don't work with them anymore. I'm you know in a desk most of the time, but still, what I do impacts um, animals and animal populations. So, again, that kind of this kind of one big thing is is doing something that matters, not just for conservation, but also, again, for connecting with the public. Because, you know, at our heart, we're a conservation organization. Um, and one thing we have that other conservation organizations do not is we have visitors. 
you look at big organizations like the Nature Conservancy or World Wildlife Fund, those are great organizations, but they don't have visitors. So we have that unique ability to connect the dots for people to, you know, not just through marketing campaigns, but through in-person, hands-on, impactful encounters and activities. So, so again, that's one thing is the doing something that has meaning, and then secondly, it's it is the people I work with. It's um, they're just amazing people, and while we have our differences, at the end of the day, we all work very well together. And um, again, I'll, we're all here for that same reason, for that same passion. Whether like you know, their passion may be a little more focused towards education or a little more towards animal care, but our educators care about the animal welfare, and our zookeepers also help with education and know how the importance of that. So. Again, it's just really a great, a great team. Awesome. And then kind of um, the, I guess, the twin question of that, but um, what are some challenges you faced while working for the zoo? Well, you know, resources are always a challenge. Being a small facility, um, we have to wear, all the employees here wear 10 or 12 different hats. So on one hand, while it's a great learning environment, like I said, never bored, always have challenges. There's days of like a few less challenges. <laughs> um, I mean, at some of these big zoos, they have they have position titles I couldn't even begin to make up. You know, people that are very specialized. Um, where in our roles, we're acting as a conservationist and as an educator and as a, an exhibit designer and on and on and on, you know, retail, all kinds of things. So that's a challenge to feel like you're doing things well um, again, when you see a great examples out there across the country and, and you'd like to be able to do some of these things, but you have, again, that limited staff um, or limited, you know, well, resources period, so obviously finances. So being a small zoo can be challenging. Um, and, it, you know, also all the years we keep working to have people take us seriously, take us as a, as a resource. Uh, just because we're small does not mean we don't have expertise. Um, so that that's kind of a that's a challenge, um, and of course again it kind of goes back to resources, but keeping great staff, um, we end up a lot of times being kind of a training ground for people to move on to other positions because we don't have much full time. So that kind of again goes back to resources. Um, you know I've got zoo all of our zookeepers have to have a at least a four-year degree and experience before we hire them, and that goes for part-time too. So, you know, the real strong people eventually are gonna, are gonna move on. Um, so, I mean, the biggest challenge, I guess, is probably the resource piece. Um, but again, we've made a lot of strides in that area and, and by raising philanthropic dollars, and so we're, we're working on it. <laughs> gotcha. And then what are some of the accomplishments you've made that you're proudest of? Well, AZA accreditation is probably the first one that comes to mind. Um, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, in order to, I don't think everyone always realizes what a big deal that is. Um, in order to, well, in order to be open to the public and exhibit animals, you have to have a United States Department of Agriculture or USDA exhibitor's license. There are... Um, almost 3,000 of those in the U.S. Um, of those, there's only about 230 accredited institutions. 
the less than 10% of zoos are accredited that are licensed to exhibit animals. But even beyond that, the number is actually even smaller because even though accreditation by AZA is a United States program, um, there's several other zoos. I believe there's over 30 zoos now in 14 different countries that are accredited um, because they've seen the value of our accreditation program. So there are some accredited zoos in South America and in um, China and in Canada and Mexico and so quite a few places. So again, being accredited is, is not something to take lightly. It is very, very difficult. So we're very proud of that. Um, so I think that's a great accomplishment. And actually it's one of the, well, it probably is the biggest leading factor to um, our great staff because when we became first accredited in 2000, it definitely elevated the quality of the staff that we had applying for and accepting positions. So that was a huge, a huge uh, step for us. Um, and again, I think also the development of our education programs, you know, going from basically nothing um, to having a professional staff that does the number of programs that we do in, in wide variety of everything from children that are, you know, under the age of two to up to active seniors, um, working with teachers, college students, you know, all full range um, of programs and all different learning abilities. I, I'm also very proud of that accomplishment. Um, one other, well, in, in kind of into the animal end of things too, our work with the Blanding's turtle, um, an endangered species, we've been involved with that since 2001. And we've been part of releasing more than 3,000 of those turtles back into the wild. Um, and then uh, kind of still on the animal end of things, something else I'm very proud of is uh, we, we have a really a world-class um, animal training and animal welfare program. Um, for instance, a Denver Zoo is really well known for some of their work in animal welfare, like measuring it and kind of assessing it and everything, and it's the same thing, I guess, but they actually use some of our documents in their training. So I think the work that we have done to develop our animal welfare program, um, and again in the um, animal training is, one of when we get AZA accreditation inspections, our animal training program is held up as being um, really stellar. And I would, from what I've seen, they hold it up to any of the big zoos, and I would say we're actually better than some of them um, in how we operate our training. So, so again, those are some points I'm, I'm very proud of. Great. That's all very awesome. And then, so how would you say that the park district has changed and the zoo's relationship with the park district has changed since you've been here? Mm, some tough questions. Park districts have changed a lot. Uh, I remember back, the main office used to be down on the corner of uh, Main Street and Roosevelt down there by the, the tennis courts. So that's where I used to go all the time for, for meetings and things. It was structured a little differently. There was less departments. Uh, we didn't have a special facilities department. There was just basically parks and planning and recreation. Well, of course, and even HR was kind of almost non-existent at the time. And we did have finance, or we had, if I recall, about 30 full-time staff in the park district as a whole. Hmm. Um, I think here it was it was very staff centric but things were definitely not operated they weren't operated as they are today kind of more with a business in mind you know with finances being um, 
more front and center. I, I recall back when I started working here, our budget, if you can believe it, was written out on a piece of legal-sized yellow-lined paper. <laughs> um, that was how we submitted our budgets. So definitely light years away from that. I mean, there was no safety training. There was no you know, risk management um, inspections. So it was definitely, um, well, it was easier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but certainly, you know, didn't offer, you know, all of the, the amenities and things we do at this point. Um, boy, relationship. The zoo used to be uh, under the parks department. We were a parks and planning facility, or like parks facility. So again, it was a little different back then. Parks encompassed the golf course and the marsh and the zoo and, of course, planning. Um, and there was a gentleman over that whole division. And then, then there was someone that was the head of parks and someone that was the head of planning and then the head of the zoo and the arrowhead and so on. So we were actually the first, I believe, 18 years I was here, we were under that division. Um, and it was after that that, well, actually, we were put under recreation department for like a year or so, um, which really was not a great fit for us, interestingly enough. Uh, we're much more task oriented, even though we do a lot of programs. Uh, so eventually, gosh, I would guess maybe, and this is just a guess, maybe about, I don't know, 14 years ago or so, that they developed a special facilities department. And that's when we were moved into that. And that, that's even changed some. Originally it had, I believe, the Lincoln Marsh. Um, it had us. It did not have Arrowhead. Um, it did not have the pools. The pools were under recreation department. Back then, we didn't have Parks Plus Fitness. So it was it was largely, I think, the marsh and the zoo. And I'm trying to think, it seems like there was something else in there. I'm not coming up with it at the moment. but So definitely, you know, departments have changed. Um, we've added a lot more things to the to the mix over the years. So yeah, I'm not sure if that answers that all that well. but Great. No, that's very good to know. Um, and then... Kind of what are some favorite memories you have um, working for the zoo and the park district and just in general? Hmm. I'm not sure you want to hear some of those. It's <laughs> 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 kind of horrifying. Um, you know, this, this isn't really answering your question directly yet, but one of, one of the things that I like, I mean, for me personally, you know, I grew up here, so to look back, to, to go up to the zoo and look at things and say, we did that because of me, or my fingerprints on that, you know, that, that to know that I did some good um, is, is really cool. Um, and, and kind of also growing up here, going through the process, so most of the stuff the zookeepers are doing now, I have done. Um, so it's kind of nice to have that understanding of what they're doing to be able to connect with them on that level. But again, looking and, and seeing all the, the, the headway we've made, all the exhibits we've built, it's it's just interesting. I love going back and seeing old pictures. And, you know, I think, I look at, we used to keep animals in corn crib cages and little dog runs, and now they have naturalistic exhibits with daily training and enrichment. I mean, we've, so I'm just so proud of how far we've come 
um, from being basically kind of a little roadside facility with, you know, animals on cement and um, to, to this really great resource that provides world-class programs and animal care. So it's, it's, it's just amazing the change. It's, it's, like I said, it's night and day compared to where we were. I don't, that, I don't know that that really answers your question, though. Um, no, that's fine. It might, yeah, memories. <laughs> some of those funny, you know, some of them were just so funny. I, you know, like times out in the duck pond with the fire hoses and cleaning and stupid little things like sitting in the hallway in the station with one of my keepers scraping up old broken tiles off the floor, but we were having a blast. You know, it was just, it, it's like the, we just, I think the fact that we've had the opportunity to do so many things and give us those experiences it just it's provided such a plethora of memories um you know again all the challenges we face but it's just it's such a an education yeah just constantly learning so some of the memories are silly um but (laughs) (laughs) yeah how how we turn some of the lousiest jobs into fun i mean standing ankle deep in duck uh doo-doo that smells really bad but yet you know we made it fun so yeah i just i don't know um just all those opportunities to grow gotcha great kind of getting near the end um but do you have any favorite um exhibit or part of cosley zoo that you really um that you really really like i'm thinking I mean, everything he has, it's, it's interesting pieces. I think probably the one I'm the most proud of at this point is the Bobcat exhibit. Well, I, it's kind of a toss. Well, Bob, I got another one too. The Bobcat exhibit, well, we did a nice job with like the fox, raccoon, coyote. Those were from 1993 when those were built. So they're, they're aging, um, The Bobcat exhibit was built in 2012, and it really is truly our first exhibit that contains elements of modern zoo design. Um, You know, like the the stainless steel fencing that allows for easy visibility, Um, the heated rock in the exhibit that nobody knows is there um, for the cats welfare that they have that choice it's an exhibit that provides choice and control for the cats when they're in there they can go where they want they can hide they can be visible um you know all the natural elements in the waterfall the pond so it's just really you know a great exhibit even inside the holding having a, a sizable holding area that we're able to conduct training sessions and appropriate care um so that, that's really again that's a, that's a modern you know, modern zoo exhibit as far as considering all those elements of the animal needs, not, not just their needs for food and water, but, but the space they need and the, the items they need in there for natural behavior. So that's, that's probably my favorite, that's one, definitely my favorite exhibit. Um, I'm also very proud of our quarantine facility. Now that's not a public exhibit. Um, that was built in 2016, I believe. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, that's kind of more about, again, kind of more proof that we are a 
world-class professional facility that we have a dedicated quarantine facility for new animals when they come in to ensure their health and the health of our animal collection that we already have as well as the health of public and staff to ensure the animals um, come in that they're they aren't harboring any disease or parasites that we're bringing into to our population. So again, just that you know, we're at that point where um, you know being recognized, the park district finally recognized, you know, that this if we're going to be a world class zoo, no matter what size we are, that we need to to do the the, the right thing. We need to do the highest standards of care. And so that that I was proud of that accomplishment, even though it's not an exhibit. Great. And then do you have a favorite um, event that the zoo does or program? It's easy to point to our junior zookeeper program. Uh, it's a year-long program, and you know, teens are tough to program for. And we max out. Uh, we, we don't allow more than 50 teens in that program in a year, and we're usually full or close to it. Um, and we draw teens from quite a ways away, not just from Wheaton, like we have one right now from Elburn, which is you know about 10 miles west of St. Charles. So we, we get them from quite a ways. We've had some kids in there with special needs that we've really watched mature and grow in their skills, as well as kids that are just really shy that come out of their shell. And you know, to, to see that you're providing with some of these really great life skills, um, and some of them are in the program for years, so we're having a really big impact on these kids. Um, and we actually have a Facebook now for people that run the Junior Zookeeper or Jay-Z program and seeing that some of these kids have gone on to careers um, in animal care or in zoos. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's really cool to see that we've, we've helped launch some of these kids' careers and, or if not careers, at least given them a lot more skills with which to face the world uh, once they, they get out of school. So I think, like I said, that's an easy one to talk about. Um, because again, we see lasting impact from that program. Awesome. Um, so that's kind of the end of my question list. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on or um, add any more detail or anything? Our history is rich and it, it's, it's very diverse and interesting kind of how we wound our way here. The exciting part is that there's so much more in front of us. There's so much more that can and should be done. Um, every day is just a new challenge, and I guess that, that can be frustrating for me sometimes as I feel like I'm not good enough, I don't have the knowledge or the skill. But that's when I go back on my team and think, you know, know that we'll figure it out together. So, yeah, I don't... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history in the buildings and a couple in one of the other, like the main building and stuff, but I don't know... Um, I can tell you a little bit about that. I mean, the, the train station that we have as our kind of um, guest services area that has houses or gift shop and washrooms and things, um, that was actually the second train built in downtown Wheaton in 1887. And it was moved to its present location in 1910. Hmm and was used as a house or a home by Harvey Cosley and his wife, Edna Alice Boyer. Um, her father was some sort of a big wheel in the Chicago Northwestern Railroad, so we're assuming that because of that connection is how they got, that's just an assumption, is how the station ended up out here. Um, so it was used as a residence for a very long time, and 
actually the first zoo director they hired um, in 1973 because when we first got some land, we opened to the public in 1974. I started 10 years later in 1984. Um, he actually lived with his family in the train station for a few years, the first few years the zoo was open. And the zoo was only open seasonally at the time. And it actually opened as a uh, kind of like children's park. You probably saw some of this in the, the documents I gave you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, by the time I started, uh, 10 years later, in 84, he no longer lived. He, they lived across the street, actually, in a park district house. Um, the year I started, 1984, was actually the first year that we sold pumpkins. It was the first year we sold Christmas trees. It was the first year we did a golf outing. Um, it was a busy year. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting a lot of nights the first few years we sold trees. We'd, we'd only have, like, 300 trees. Now we have 2,400. Actually, the first... Um, gosh, the first six years, five or six years that we sold trees, we actually put up tree racks over where the duck pond is now because we didn't have the duck pond until 1990. So we actually set all our, we get, you know, three or four hundred trees and they'd all go up on all these racks over there. Um, and we actually, we just started raising funds, but it wasn't until two years later, 86, that we developed the Cosley Foundation to accept all those funds for future development of the zoo. Because um, we, as we started having some success in raising money through events. But I do remember sitting there the first, oh gosh, few years of selling trees. <laughs> Most nights I'd be all by myself, which of course wouldn't be allowed today. Mm -hmm. um, we, we only had lights on the caboose. It was the only place we had them. And I'd sit by myself some nights not having one person come in and buy a tree watching my little nine-inch black and white TV because <laughs> I was all by myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we came from very humble beginnings. You know, it's all got to start someplace. Um, so, like I said, to look back, and I have very fond memories of a lot of those times, but there was, there was years I got tired of working, you know, 28 days in a row, um, <laughs> trying to make this stuff work, you know. Yeah, I remember the one year and uh, I'd worked – three weekends in a row selling trees plus every day I hadn't taken a day off and my boss said something about the, the last weekend in December I just looked at him and said I have to go Christmas shopping <laughs> and he's like oh all right all right <laughs> but up until that year he had me working I'm like I can't do every day it's still function. <laughs> so it was a different time um so yeah so that, like I said, it's, it's been interesting to watch. The, the run for the animals actually started, I think, two years before I started. So that was the only fundraiser that was done prior to my tenure here to starting. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. It was fun. Thank you for listening. Be sure to download, rate, share, and subscribe to A Talk in the Park wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Wheaton Park District on Facebook and Instagram at Wheaton Park District. Additional information on Wheaton Park District programs and services can be found at wheatonparkdistrict.com. Until next time, this has been a Talk in the Park. A Talk in the Park is a production of the Wheaton Park District.